Where are these no. marks? Boy, this is the oh, what's that spell? The Sea Town. Anyways, I don't know what this guy's talking about. Fellas, I got a lot of questions. What do we know about Seattle? Oh, oh there it is. This is rhetorical. He was raised there. Yeah, we know that. Well, they like coffee. There's a Space Needle. It's the birthplace of Jimi Hendrix. Of course, we know it's the home of grunge, but did you know it was the home of Sir Mix-a-Lot? Of course yeah. I fucking knew that. Yeah. Big butts! Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, JD. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, thank you for answering that rhetorical question, you assholes. Uh, anyways. You always tell us not to interrupt you, so I listened to you that time. Yeah, good work. And, oh, and you hear that thing? That thing that that's behind Sir Mix-a-Lot? Is it that big butt? Yeah, is it a big butt? Nope. Oh. Wait, listen again. What is that? It makes me want to move. It's the big butt. I already told you. No, no, listen again. Listen again. Why, why that's the funk. Uh, you hear that? Yeah, that's the funk. You can you shake know? your big butt to it. Yeah, we want it. We need it. We got to have that. The funk. Did you know that Seattle had a small but thriving funk scene? That I did not know. It's true, and as you can hear, it definitely had a f- and it had an effect on Mr. A lot. <laughs> well, truth is, a funk influenced everyone in Seattle, and that doesn't just surprise me because as a preteen and teen, the music out of Seattle, there was always something behind the shaggy hair, Doc Martens, and flannels behind all that grunge. I heard it. It was the funk. So I'm. T- so today, I'm bringing it out of the shadows, out of the depressing rain and off the opiates. That's right. My genre today is a little something I like to call, a little bit like that burp that just came whip- whipping past my nose, I like to call it the grunk. Sorry. Beyond your rock. This is the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. A wonderful podcast that creates a new musical genre every week and counts down the best. Counts down. Counts, 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 counts down the best songs into that genre. <laughs> My name is JD Riznar. I'm the de facto host. In the captain's chair today is Hunter. Over there in the blue headphones, uh, Dave Lyons. And finally, don't step on it, Steve. Hollywood Steve. Oh, I thought you were going to introduce me like you you did, Dave. Hey, I'm Hollywood Steve. Um, as you can tell from our our unusual order, we are once again in the David Lyons household. We once again got locked out of uh, Feral Audio Studios because they 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 don't like us anymore or something. Yeah, welcome back. Or you know, it's close to Thanksgiving. Because, welcome back, fellas. Because we. Um, Created the genre of yacht rock, like a throw a bone to the genre every week. So, Steve, what are we? Li- oh, Dave, what are we listening to? Yeah, this is me. We're listening to Dave. Oh God, we just listen to this shit. This is breaking away with Al Jarreau. We are now breaking away with Al Jarreau. Was this from the movie? No, it's not. And I get to that in a little bit. Oh, sorry. Um, I know we featured Al Jarreau a few months back, but damn, is he smooth. I was struggling with this bone throw because I had another Al Jarreau collaboration in mind. I just like this song so much better. Then I wanted to do Loggins, because he's from outside of Seattle, to kind of fit with the uh, Hunter genre, but, you know, fuck it. This is a great song, like I said, Break It Away. Title track from Al Jarreau's 1981 album. 
Let me describe the album cover for you. So good. As Scat King Cole himself, in a pink polo, his tan blazer breezily pushed back by his hands, set casually in the pockets of his white linen pants. He's got the world's most reasonable afro and a look on his face like he's never been so happy to see anyone than he is to see you, the listener. I love this guy. Al Jarreau. And honestly, I don't care... Uh, if we do Jay Grain produced Al Jarreau songs for every bone throw, it, they're just the best. This song's bouncing all over the place. Oh, yeah, like, a, like a big butt. <laughs> yeah. I, I ended up with this one for its sheer yacht personnel. First and foremost, JR, uh, JD already said it, co-written by Jay Poop and Graydon, and a gentleman named Tom Camming, who has some seriously deep musical roots, but most of which aren't yacht. The album was also produced by Graydon. He brought his old buddy David Foster in to play keys and arrange strings. Also on this track, we have Jeff Picaro on drums, The Michaels, Omardian and Boddicker on synth, Lukather on guitar, and Steely Dan's longtime trumpet player Chuck Finley. I guess they could have, uh, they could only get Jeff Picaro on the title track because the rest of the time they had to go with good old Steve Gadd. He's a hot drummer. He's yeah. a hot yacht rag Gadd's a hat drummer. Hat yacht rag drummer. Um, when you pull in a producer like Jay Gray and you get awesome touches, like if you listen to this song, uh, there's a, an incessant staccato guitar rhythm throughout the verses. That's yeah, a kind of deep creative flourish that you're rewarded with when you invest deeply in Yacht Rock. The synths are doing some real nutty shit, too. That's why you need both synth Michaels, Boddicker and Omardian. Yeah. This song's just off the rail, as Jarreau's songs often are. And I did. I gave you people a little treat. I made a playlist on my Spotify of all the Jay Gray Raiden Yacht Rock era Al Jarreau albums. He produced four Al Jarreau albums in the Yacht Rock era, and yeah. they're all cool. Hey, hey, Dave, is this song off the Breaking Away movie? I want to be clear. Before Hunter blew my load, this song is in no way affiliated with the movie Breaking Away, and you can be sure by noticing the title of the movie has a G at the end of Breaking. Uh-huh. Al Jarreau doesn't have time for that shit. No fucking G. All right. Uh, fun fun fact about yeah. this bone throw. Uh-huh. I finally learned to spell Jarreau without looking it up. All right. Do, you're you're breaking away from your reliance on uh, Google. Can uh-huh. you spell it? Uh, J-A-R-R-E-A-U. He was looking at the ceiling, folks, not at his paper. Is, yeah. Hunter, let's talk he, about the And grunk. he did not write the word Jarreau on the ceiling. No. No, this is my house. I'm not doing that shit here. I'll do that in the studio. Yeah. Who? Hey. Oh, this riff. This fucking riff is the riff that the hippies that lived underneath me in the dorms of college played over and over and over again. Okay, what is, what's going on? Is that, yeah, it's great stuff. Wait, a hippie played something over and over and over again? You believe it or not. Oh, man. It could have been me, but I didn't go to your college. So it wasn't no, you, you went to my college yeah. and mine. I did play this a lot because I love this. This is the band of gypsies uh, with Who Knows. Obviously, this is uh, Jimi Hendrix. Um, let's no, talk- what's what's it called? Did you look it up? What the title of the song? Did you look it up? You should have looked it up. Oh, yeah. oh do you're doing research. the who? Ah, uh, you're doing the called? who knows thing. You guys, <laughs> yeah, that's you. We're best friends. We joke around. Yeah, you guys. Yeah, thanks for thanks for picking up. Uh... Anyway, where are we? <laughs> Okay, let's talk about the funk, because to understand the grunk, you need to understand the funk. It came out of early jazz jam sessions. They wanted to loosen up and put some stank on it. They called it the funk because it was the smell of the groove. 
Webster's defines funk as a strong <laughs> offensive smell. Yes, this groove is strong, and yes, I am offended that it is so much better than any groove I could produce. That's right. Uh, and you can hear this groove, as I said, on Seattle's own Jimi Hendrix with the Band of Gypsies, and I love this stuff. Uh, what you'll hear at the beginning, uh, what you heard, was lay, uh, Jimmy was laying down the groove on the guitar, and then the bass line comes in. That's Billy Cox. He joins in on the, that groove line. Then Jimmy lets him carry it through the song. This is important in the funk and the grunt, letting the bass come forward and take the groove. You'll hear that today. Um, and I I kind of consider this this album to be proto-grunk. I gotta say, the grunk, I think, is the sound that every local band in the 90s strived for. I can't tell you how many guys in flannels came up to me and said, oh, I got this band, uh, we got a groove, it's kind of funky. It was everybody. And I'll, I'll tell you, I think the uh, the drum beat for a lot of these, instead of the or the you hear a I think that fits into your uh, grunk. Yeah, a lot of bum, bumming, bumming and bipping. Yeah, yeah. The boom bip, I like to call yeah, it. They're riding, they're riding. Right now, he's riding that that symbol. Um, another thing you'll hear is uh, blue scale guitar vamping, and not a lot of chord changes. I think. Uh, I am not good with music theory. I'm an idiot. I think you're pretty good. Uh, but yeah. I said, yeah. But, but I did play the drums, and I know that the guitar is often played like a percussion instrument in this. So you'll hear that. You'll hear a lot of wow wows and a lot of chicka chickas. And so, Jay Graydon used guitar as a percussion instrument in Al Jarreau's "Breaking Away" song that we just listened to. Anyway, continue. Okay, and JD just switched the song, so let's uh, let's move on. Uh, so why Seattle? Well, it's most famous for grunge in the 90s, which is where we are heading. But before we hit it, you hear that? That's the funk, the flat-out funk. This is Cold Blood and Together. Uh, yeah, Cold Blood and Together with Somebody's Gonna Burn Ya. This is Seattle funk. Um, you see, in the 50s and the 60s, Seattle's black population grew with a thriving manufacturing job market due to Boeing, and this brought black music to the Pacific Northwest, and its economy kept them in town, so they didn't leave for places like Los Angeles. I did not know that. And as we know, Seattle likes its regional record lab labels, and like Sub Pop, these labels popped up to produce and record soul and funk music. Though, unlike, say, the music out of Detroit, none of these labels got wide distribution, but regionally, they were influential being played on stage like KYAC, where JD, you'll be happy to know that Quincy Jones's brother was a DJ. I looked it up. His name is Lloyd. Hey, this is Lloyd Jones on Seattle Funk Radio. We're playing awesome funky requests because it's awesome. Who's on the line? Hell, it's your brother Q. Rashida wants to request a funk song, but she's too shy to call you herself. Don't be shy, Rashida. It's just Uncle Lloyd. He's garbage compared to me, Rashida. That was a terrible. That was my worst <laughs> cue ever. <laughs> it keeps getting uh -huh. better. I tried to do a different voice as his brother, and then I just it's got it sounded pretty similar. Yeah. Give yeah, uh, give cute. a brother a heads up. We'll uh, we'll take one of those. Uh, feed you some lines. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, so the point of all this um, is that while Sir Mixalot and the grunge artists were growing up. These songs were in their ears because they were very popular and regionally, just like Jimi Hendrix was. And this had an effect on their appreciation of the medium, the music, and their performances. Um, so before we move on, two last things. One, everyone knows funk rock, like the Chili Peppers or Faith No More or Fishbone or Living Color. That was clearly apparent. These guys are rock bands that set out to play funk. Grunk is a little different. Like grunge, it's a little off, it's a little subtle. It's hard to label, but it's there. The music to Seattle has always been sneaky unique. 
Grunk is no exception. Hey, real quick, what's grunge? But seriously, uh, just to find grunge to help me, the uninformed listener, understand grunk. Okay, uh, well, for grunge, it's sludgy, underproduced rock music out of Seattle, often with garbly vocals, eschewed uh, guitar solos, and depressing lyrics. It's grunge. Uh, define eschewed. They did not like them, and they tried to stay away from... I think it's omitted. Kind- they okay. omitted. I think it's a kind of nut. Cashewed. Um, play this again, because we had to go through that whole thing. Uh, I'd also say traditionally grunge was uh, based on metal and punk. Okay, yeah, it was, I was kind of it was, yeah, it was kind of in between there with some classic rock thrown in. Okay, well that's part of the grunk. Um, this this is why I'm doing this today is because yes, everybody associates it with garage, with punk, and with metal or a little heavier hard, hard rock, rock. Yeah. and. People completely overlook the funk influence, the groove influence on most of these bands. And it's there. If you listen to it, you will no, hear it. No, it absolutely is. And I didn't realize it until and, you compiled and, this. And another thing um, that I, I thought of last night when, before I was going to bed is that the interesting thing about the grunk and using the funk and grunge music is grunge music was overly depressing. Seattle is a very depressing area. The funk is not. So there's a bit of dissonance in these songs. It shouldn't be there, but it is. And so that's I, I think it kind of gave a lot of grunge a little levity because it could get a little too heavy. Um, and this was the last thing, and why I had you start this over. Uh, this group, Cold, Cold Blood and Together, uh, you can't hear it right now, but there it is. You, can, you hear that funky sax? That's Seattle's own motherfucking Kenny G. Yeah. That's right. KG is playing the funk like nobody's business. No one can escape it. Not Kenny G, not Sir Mix-A-Lot, not Grunge. Did this come out before or after he was the Kenny G? This is way before he was the Kenny yeah, G. Yeah, he was just one of many Kenny G's at this point. Uh, you want to count this down? Uh, yeah, let's get into that grunk. Oh, uh, Tony. Oh, Tony's back. Thank you, Tony. All right, here we are. Number 10. Uh, let's see. The best part of grunking is finding some deep grunge cuts by lost bands. This is the case with number 10. This is Grunt Truck with their song <laughs> Crucifunkin'. Perhaps the most grunk title of all time. If not the most grunk band name. This should be the number one song based entirely on the band name and title. Uh, is, it o- is it okay? Wait, what was this? What did I write this for? Is it okay if I say I, I both of them? Can I say it as Lloyd Jones? Oh, yeah. I want to say I want to say Quincy Jones, oh, you, Lloyd Jones. You want okay, another try? Here we go. Here we go. Hey, this is Seattle, uh, the Grunk Radio. I'm Lloyd Jones. This is awesome. This is Grunt Truck with Crucifunkin. <laughs> Rashida. <laughs> there we go. There that would have been back. great. I'm back, baby. <laughs> Call Michael. I'm back. Let's make through the two. Michael. Uh, Grunt Truck was formed in 1989, coming uh, with two members, Ben McMillan and Scott McCallum, McCullum, uh, coming from the early grunge band Skinyard, uh, Tommy Niemeyer from thrash band The Accused, and Tom- Tim Paul from hardcore band Final Warning. Since grunge isn't a fully definable genre, well, and then I just defined it um, earlier, uh, and... And more of a combination of things. These guys fell closer to the metal side, which is one of the reasons why I put it at number 10. And also another reason why they were signed to Roadrunner Records. Hmm. Uh, Jeff Ament was in Skinyard, wasn't he? I don't 
think so, no. no. Maybe maybe at one time. It seemed like everybody was in everybody's band at one time. Does he look like a grunge encyclopedia? Come on, give him a break. He doesn't know everything, Dave. Shit, I thought we were having, I a, no, I I thought we were having an off-script conversation. You gotta write out those questions on paper beforehand no, I, so he's ready. I, I, well, no, I, I don't think he was. Wait, Steve, was Jeff Ahman in that band? I don't remember. Come on, that's why you're on the podcast. You're supposed to be the encyclopedia. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't know every time Dave fires a random neuron and comes up with a fact that may or may not be true. Okay, so anyways, back to Crucifunkin'. Wow, way to, way to turn that on me, you dick. <laughs> hey, what about Crucifunkin'? This, this was left off their Inside Yours album when it was released in 1990 by Empty Records, but then added to the re-release in 1991 by Roadrunner. The bass has a good groove, but it's mostly, uh, the funk coat mostly comes from two places. Uh, one in the title, which you can hear they work in funk, into the name and the lyrics, um, immediately that makes something funky. Uh, and number two, the singing. This is Pink Peak. Not Pink. Peak Funk Yarl. And it's be- basically because he sings the word funk, because he yarls the word funk a lot. It's a magic word, and it can turn any any grunge to grunk. And I, let's, let's define the funk yarl real quick, because... Like, we know it when we hear it. I just never thought of it as a yarl until now. It's like in brick house. Like, that's the funk yarl. Yeah, my friend Aaron Lack told me uh, to sing brick house. You got to say it real sloppy. Here's a brick house. Like, how sloppy can you say Shit, JD, that was, that was perfect. That was spot on. Thank you really, very much. Really, really good. Thank you so much. Yeah. And that was Brick House on Seattle Funk Radio. Yeah, and that uh, was Jeff, Jeff Ament was not in Skin Yard. He was in Green River and Mother Love Boat. See, he just had oh, to think about it a little bit. No, guys, I look, guys we're going to talk about all this. I know he wasn't. <laughs> all right. Well, let me uh, bring up the drum beat again. It's the do do dee do 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 All right. All right. It's, uh, it's got a the, good groove. Yeah. It's a good groove line. That's your grunge. Uh, here's some choice lyrics from the, <laughs> from the fridge. This is a great grunge lyrics. Uh, you know the gaunt they push while they're greasing pockets, taking people in their greed has got me down. So and so, I'll stay away from burning silver steeples and the crucifunkin' on. I love grunge. I, I think there was also a point where they said, evil humping you like a whore. Yeah, <laughs> uh, if that's not what he said, then it's definitely what he should have said. He says it in a, in a, in a grunk uh, funk yarl, which is, evil humping you like a whore. <laughs> this, uh, this one sounds a little like Rob Zombie to me. And maybe it inspired him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Okay, this is going to be a quick one. This is The Melvins. I was a little pumped about this. This this is a song called Love Thang. Wait, it's a love thing. It should have been called Love Thang. It's a quick, funky little instrumental. The the Melvins and Buzz Osborne began as a cover band of which, uh, of uh, Jimi Hendrix. Um, So I'm sure there was some early funk rock influence. And here's their nod to that. And apparently, Kiss. Because this is a cover of a Kiss song. Yeah. This is the love theme off of Kiss's 1974 debut album, which is fucking awesome. 40 seconds. <laughs> and it was unusually funky song for Kiss at the time, but even more so for the Melvins. Nevertheless, they inject their sludgy bass into it, make it undeniably grunky. 30 seconds. I'm a, uh, big, fa- I'm a big fan of the Melvins. They were very influential on the grunge sound. I never really paid much attention oh, to the great. funk roots. You love, you love them. Only the punk roots. Thank okay. you. Thank okay. you, Hunter. Okay. I have an actual fact. Uh, Lord, uh, in 1992, each of the three members of the Melons released their own self-titled solo EPs, just like Kiss, Kiss done yeah, with, with the same their terrible covers. solo albums. Okay, great. 
The bassist here is Lori Black, who took over for Matt Lucan after he left to form Mudhoney. Lori Black is the daughter of Shirley Temple. Now that's a fucking that fun, is a fact. fun, that fucking, is a fun fact. fucking fact. JD, play this again. Really? Really? We're doing a bit where we get through the whole thing in one song. Huh. Are you, uh, wait, I'm sorry. I'll play some more. You have some more fun facts? Well, no. I wanted to make sure Hunter got all... Well, I was going to end with that, but, I, but it, since oh, you Dave. played it. Also, drummer Dave Crover is on this, and he uh, is considered a founding member. He was also in an Iron Maiden cover band and Fecal Matter, a short-lived punk band with Kurt Cobain. Yeah. would have been awesome if we did it all in a minute. We would have gotten the podcasting Grammy. Thanks, Dave. Well, you're the one pushing the buttons, dude. You're pushing my buttons. Yeah, you're pushing my fucking buttons. I'm the fucking face of Yacht Rock, you bitch. <laughs> this is number eight. Ooh. Yeah, I'm ex- this, this was a staple in my uh, 1986 Ford Escort when I was in high school. Yeah, you hear that groove there. Uh, here we are with number eight. It's a Stone Cold Jam by the little-known grunge band Soundgarden. This is their parody of hair metal called Big, Big Dumb Sex. Not only is it uh, using not-so-subtle lyrics about boning, but also emulating the often groove-rock stylings of hair metal, which would ultimately transform itself into the L.A. funk rock scene. You hear it? You, can, you sound a little. You hear a little Led Zeppelin in there too, and then in the in the riffing. Uh, One thing I like about this song is there's a shitty deep voice that's singing along in tandem with Chris Cornell's awesome voice. It's like mm-hmm. a guy in the band was like, "Hey, Chris, bro, you know a song you sing about how I want to fuck you? We should do it as a duet. I sing good yeah. too." And Chris Cornell's like, "No." Yeah. And he's like, "Okay, you can't use my uncle's studio then." And he's like, "Fuck." And then Quincy Jones's brother is like, "This is Lloyd Jones on the K Funk Radio, and Wait, this is Soundgarden." Wait, Wait, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta beep out a lot of this song. Junior is gonna one. hate this. Yeah, this is everybody. Every everybody at high school knew this was the song where Soundgarden said "fuck" over and over again. Uh, before they were stars. Wait, I'll, I'll let you hear it right here. You know that. That would have been a nice place for them to uh, change the word fuck to funk. See, I disagree. No. Okay, you can disagree with me, but I'm just saying. If they would have known they were playing grunk, it would have been been nice. Then they would have been just like extreme doing get the funk out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, pornography. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying it would have been nice. Um... Soundgarden at this time was Chris Cornell, Kim Thale, Matt Cameron, and founding bassist Hiro uh, Yamamoto. Uh, Hiro was in the process of leaving the band at the time and uh, to go to college, um, but he played bass on this. I want to talk about him briefly because he's he's the funkiest part of this, the grunkiest part of this song, is, is uh, Hiro. Yeah, it's got that same funky drum beat I've been talking about. And that funky drum beat, you're right, Dave, you really nailed it. Uh, and he, uh, Anyways, a great grunk bass line on this. Steve, we keep interrupting you. I know you want to say so. What? No, he didn't. No, he's playing with his, his striper paperclip. Oh, gotcha. Um, I think the bass makes a song grunk, uh, and I like the guitar playing the same groove line. Um, it's very groovy. But this loses... Uh, well, I already said this. We lost points because they didn't change Fuck the Funk. They had nothing. Yeah, the but then you group. couldn't call the song Big Dumb Sex. You'd have to call it... You still say funk. You'd have to call it Big Dumb Butt if you're going to make it about funk. And big butts aren't dumb, so what do you got then? Damn it. That was me. Oh, you got hit by both sides by Stinky Burps oh, that God. time. Oh, um, God. Hey, right, Dave's, Dave's created some funk in the room. I have a question. I have a question. How often do you have to water a sound garden? 
It's a trick question, guys, because you never have to water a sound garden because it's always raining in Seattle. Plenty of water for all gardens. Sound, wicked, olive, you name it. Seattle will water it for you. And will also provide you with heroin. Heroin capital of the world. Number seven. Are these his original ones? Are we reusing them? Or did we're we yeah, we're out of bumpers, everyone. Oh. Yeah, we're out of bumpers. Oh, fucking Tony, send some new bumpers, bro. This would have been a fun one to, to make bumpers to. Yeah. I'm grunking. It seems like it'd be an easy thing to do. I don't know why more people don't do it. Is this a grunt truck again? Nope. Uh-oh. This, this, uh, uh, this, we're going to find that magic word again. This is malfunction. With my only uh, my only fan from 1986, but released later in 1995, five years after the death of bassist and lead singer Andrew Wood. Uh, Malfunction is considered one of the founding fathers of, of grunge, and definitely the grunk injector to the scene. Like before, you can really hear the groove on this uh, with the bass and guitar rhythm line. Also, it's got the funky falsetto, something Philip Bailey perfected. It's also the second song on the countdown that's mentioned at Crucifix. Did they do one of those cash grab releases? That, like in '95, as grunge was kind of losing its steam. It, it wasn't a cash grab. It was, um, it was uh, Stone Gossard, I believe, put it out because to help uh, Andrew Wood's mother buy a house, I think. Or no, they you know bought what? her yes, a house, but yes, they were yes. struggling, and I, so they put it out. I think they were helping his family. So it I was remember. a cash grab, but for a good reason. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was almost like charity. I remember the story now. Same drum beat. Great, great drum because he's a funky drummer. Uh, Malfunction was a play on the name Con- Confunction, a 70s funk band out of Northern California. Uh, they all had alter egos and stage names, which was a nod to Kiss, but I also believe was influenced by Parliament Funkadelic and the Mothership mythology, with such characters, or the, the Mothership had such characters as Dr. Funkenstein. Um, the band was mostly uh, brothers Kevin, and he was Kevin Stein, and Andrew Wood, a.k.a. Uh, AKA Lovechild, with drummer uh, Reagan Hagar, a.k.a. Thundar. Wait, when you have a name like Reagan Hagar, why do you need a cooler I name? You, I don't know. Um, and he wow, was, Reagan, Reagan Hagar are two of my favorite names to hear you pronounce on this podcast. <laughs> Reagan Hagar. You um, got any hat guesses that's the about first Reagan time. Hagar? I think that might I, be the wait, first time on. I've heard you say Reagan instead of Reagan. I, I do have some hot gossip on Hagen Rangar. <laughs> do tell. Reagan Hagar. Um, he was in a band called Maggot Brains. Hot gossip. Which is uh, another Funkadelic reference. And also, a- a- Andrew would enter rehab in 1985, and after returning, uh, Malfunction would be phased out from Mother Love Bone. But that's a story for another time. Uh, Reagan actually uh, joined the band, and it might be Regan. Uh, he joined the band uh, later, after the drummer and bass player left, and that's what turned them from a four-piece into a three-piece. And they're mostly remembered as being a power trio. Yeah. It's true. Kind of, kind of like this podcast. It's a power trio. I, yeah. Uh, uh, you people at home figure out which one's not part of the power trio. <laughs> the uh, uh, One of the things I like, I'm reading a lot of names in the bands they were in, because one of my favorite things about Seattle bands is that they were all in other bands. Mm-hmm. That it, there's, it's so uh, so incestuous. It's just fun to name everything because mm-hmm. you never know when you're going to run across it. Yeah. Oh, wait, Dave, I'm sorry. It felt like we were. Dave wants to read something. What? No, I. You, you had a funny joke here, and you didn't read it. What? 
Oh. Say the funny joke, JD. It's, it's okay. I really love Andrew Wood's voice and attitude. Uh, I loved listening to Mother Love Bone. Don't do drugs, kids. Andrew Andrew died of drugs. Don't do drugs. Suck dicks. The adrenaline is unmatched. Right, Dave? What? <laughs> that was worth it. Good joke, guys. That was worth it. Man. All those classes are paying off. This is number six. Yeah, number six. <clears throat> Here we are with uh, 2017 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. Uh, I think I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that. I can call this race. Yeah. Uh, the band that came from the ashes of founding Grunger, Green River, and Mother Love Bone. This is Pearl Jam with Blood Blood off the commercially panned Versus album. Well, let me be perfectly clear to everyone. Hunter called them Hall of Fame in funk tees. That's what Hunter called them. It's a good term for a grunk band. Yeah. You know, I remember when this came out. I'd, I'd been a big fan of 10. In fact, I fun story, I crashed my mom's car the day I bought it. I was coming from Crossroads Mall. Uh, Pearl Jam CD intact. Crashed my mom's car. Does she know that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I had a lot of I had a lot of splaining to do when was, I got it home. It was it was pretty clear. Yeah. Wait, yeah. hold on, there hold was, on. We need to talk about the funk that's in this room right now. Who did that? Did I don't know what you're talking Jesus about. Jesus fucking Christ. Jesus funkin' Christ. It's very high. You you're mean. right. You're right. You you're right. change it to Funk Hunter. You're right. That, I missed an opportunity. You big dumb sex. I mean, the, the, the amount of time that that escaped me from when you were aware of it was like a nanosecond. It's bad. So I don't think I did is what you're... Jesus. What Dustin, you're don't with. ever let us record in a small room at Dave's house again. Oh my god. Okay, anyways. Right. Well, this album No, seemed... no, you're done. <laughs> the grunk is clear on this. It's definite grunge with loads of wah guitar. A trademark, like I said, of the funk. You hear the guitar is often played. It's like a percussion instrument with lots of chicka chickas and wahs, like I said. This song has that in bunches. Also, Jeff Ahmed could put down a heavy groove on the bass, so Pearl Jam doesn't really lack in that era. era. Um, but Eddie Vedder, uh, I mean, you know, Grunt Truck could pull off the funk yard. Grunt Truck! But Vedder, not so much. In this song, he's just screaming, so no no funk out of that Cubs fan. Nevertheless, I think this is solid Grunk. Maybe not as much as Dirty Frank. I'm trying raps, but it's pretty close. Uh, yeah, my brother Ben had a Wawa pedal. We had a band together called Fat Jacks. Uh, we didn't put on a CD, and we didn't sell very well, so I have some more of those that maybe I'll put up for sale. Uh, oh, and... And uh, I almost forgot. Tweet pictures of your Iron Bob Seeger shirt. I want to see how successful you are at Yacht Rock. Uh, I was going to say, uh, jumping back, Dirty Frank, uh, you mentioned, fits this genre perfectly as a oh, yeah. full jam song. They're kind of making fun of the Red Hot Chili Peppers a little bit on that one as well. No, I think Dirty Frank's way closer to grunk than it is to trine raps. However, I appreciate the creation of both genres. So thank you for that, Hunter. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I know a way you can thank me. Stop, Stop farting. Stop it. Uh, I don't think that's me. Um, uh, we all know this song? Yes, my house. Done. My house was built on uh, an Indian uh, burial ground. Mm-hmm. And I think that's and what's... And you ate it? <laughs> and and I, think that's, I think that's what's happening. First fist bump from Steve. <laughs> wow. Low stakes, I guess. Tennessee. Welcome to Tennessee. 
His band is called the Proto Men, with a song called The City Made Us. Tennessee is a very musical state. There's lots of musical history coming out of Nashville. But because I'm officially sick of this segment, I don't want to talk about any of that. Oh, we're so close, though. We're so close. Don't get sick of it I just want to play a hot new track from my friends and favorite band in the world, the Proto Men. They just leave. God damn it. (laughs) So this song. Yeah, you tell. Wow, okay. You farted again. No, it was just warm. I wanted to open the door. Right. He thought he could leave it in Tennessee. Completely unrelated. All right, so anyway, this song is called The City Made Us, and they could be they could be talking about Nashville, but they're not. Many people say, many people do say about Nashville that this city made us, but I'm not going to talk about them. I'm only going to talk about the proto-men. So what the protes mean by the city is a post-apocalyptic city where Dr. Wiley battles Dr. Light and Mega Man. That's right. This and all of proto-men's music is inspired by and built on the backstory of Mega Man. And a little touch of Jim Steinman. Yeah. You know, I'll never know what this was built on. Because I swear to fucking God, I couldn't get any further past than about, I don't know, three boards on Mega Man and quit every single fuck, funking time. Mm-hmm. I even tried last week to play it again. S- still sucked at it. My cousin Barry was really good at Mega Man. I was, every time I went to visit him, I'd watch him play Mega Man. It's so hard. Yeah, it's, re- it's really difficult. I never got anywhere with it. Sorry. Um, so this song is off their never-to-be-finished album, Act 3. Uh, their album, Act 1, was a pretty blatant Mega Man-inspired experiment, but Act 2 takes their ridiculous genesis and elevates it to these epic proportions. You can hear how audacious this song is. This brand of audacity is all over Act 2 from track 1 to the last track. I- I'm not counting how many tracks there are. These guys are brilliant and take operatic hard rock to the extreme better than anyone I've ever heard before. This is how rock and roll sounds in my dreams. I wrote a cartoon for these guys. Nobody's bought it yet, but any fast and talented storyboard artists out there want to help me take this to the next level in the animatic, give me a -a ring-a-ding on the old ring-a-dinger. Yeah. Let's make this magic. Tennessee. All right, Tennessee. Uh, I'd like to give a shout-out to my dear friend and musician and producer Rick Clark from Tennessee. Dude's done some amazing things, including teaching me way more than I ever knew about countless bands, specifically Big Star. Musically, this guy's an encyclopedia. He makes Hollywood Steve look like a fucking idiot. Well, I think Hollywood Steve does a pretty good job himself on that. Funking idiot. Y'all don't know shit. Um, you haven't no shit. You haven't, they all don't know shit. You have a note here for Commander B? Yeah, uh, Commander B. Hawkins, uh, Keys, and uh, one of the masterminds behind Proto Man. Your soundtrack to the movie Rad is sitting on my desk, and I promise I'll mail it next week. Well, we did a really good. You guys did a really good job in Tennessee. We covered yeah. all the all the artists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, oh, in conclusion, Tennessee. Plug hole. You just plugged everything. <laughs> Ocean City Defender. OC mm-hmm. Defender did his bed for yeah. us. Uh, I got nothing to plug. Oh, I do want to make a correction, though. A couple weeks ago in our Hall of Fame episode, mm-hmm. we were like, we met a guy in Journey, and then you dropped the, you fucker, you dropped the name Greg Raleigh. And I asked if it was Greg Raleigh. Right, but you dropped that name, and you fucked me up, and I kept rolling Greg Raleigh, and I sound like an idiot because we met Ross Valerie. You're right, it was Ross Valerie, and he was the one with the fucking gene meat to begin with. No, no, Raleigh has gene meat, and also Ross Valerie, I think, has gene meat. They but all have gene I, meat. I, I thought Ross Journey. Valerie had the really prominent gene. 
they all have privilege. It was all yeah, great. Yeah. It's hard. But anyway, we Stop met founding you. journey member but, Ross Valerie. But, uh, Neil Schoen was there, and Greg Raleigh was there too, wasn't no, he? No, Greg Raleigh hasn't been in the band since 1978. Okay, so Neil Schoen and uh, Ross Valerie were there. Yeah. And we didn't meet uh, our, our net. Hangryatrock.com yeah. t-shirts. Uh, let's do a quick throw, quick throw to the uh, the wine club. Oh yeah, go to yachtrock.com backslash wine club. Yeah, that's gonna get in there. Get the details on the wine club. This is nice. Yeah, the cameras just, just kind of kind of yeah. relax a little bit. This is it a smells, well. It smells nice wherever well, the OC defender is. Well deserved break. Long day, long week. These are good. Okay. According to Webster's Dictionary, (laughs) Tad is defined as a small amount, a definition that would never be associated with the band Tad and its large amounts of bass. This is Tad Doyle with his band Tad with the very Tad-esque grease box. Hunter, it's it's an ironic nickname, like when you call a big guy tiny. Or when you call a vegetarian liberal in a forest green scion Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, more, I, I'm really more of a gatherer. Um, so, okay, I'm going to admit, the re- I picked this because Tad was always the most bass-heavy grunge band, and I knew they had some groove to them. But I also thought that Tad was the bassist. I had this this romantic vision of this big dude playing a bass, well, yeah. kicking it super heavy. It's like because he's a fat guy, you expect him to be playing bass. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's, I found out, I, I just found out that he was the guitar player. He played just a fucking guitar. It, and it bummed me out a little bit. SG. Nevertheless, this song is off 1993's Inhaler, which I have asthma, so that really stuck with me. Um, <laughs> it, it has its catchiest and funkiest bass line. Uh, I am H-O. I am H-O. In my humble opinion, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tad was definitely on the heavy end of the grudge spectrum, um, but I can't leave uh, Tad off the grunt, the grunk list. I was, uh, I, oh, and I was doing some research and found out he was good friends with Kurt Cobain, which I, oh, I, yeah. I already knew. Um, but in an article in Goldmine Music Magazine, he talks about how they were both influenced by Motown and early funk pioneers, and he states, and I quote, and there's definitely a booty-shaking ability to our music, and that's pure grunk, everybody. Not, not that Hunter, not that I didn't enjoy that Soundgarden track, but this is the first objectively good song in this countdown. This is a great song. It's making me want to hear more Tad. Yeah, me too. yeah, I might, I might pull a Hollywood, I might pull a Hollywood Steve here and talk way past the song is done because I fucking love Tad so much. You should check out the video for Leafy Incline where they strap his fat ass to the top of a demonized <laughs> station wagon. You're I don't pure think, class, Dave. I don't think the band one is available anymore, but the one on YouTube has some clips. Also, if you remember in singles when Bridget. Fonda tries to call a dude and talk dirty. Big fat ass picks up the phone. He's like, you've got the wrong number, but I'll be right over. That's Tad. Also, their music is fantastic. They're one of the highest regarded grunge bands of, of folks that were actually into the scene. Yeah, he was awesome. Are, are, you, are you into this fat ass thing because you're into big butts like Sir Mix-a-Lot? Are you tying that all together? No, he's, like to call he's, Tad he's a, a really ass. big dude and he embraced it. He's a big dude. Yeah, I, I do remember a lot of critics describing him as a lumberjack yeah. because of the region that he inhabited. He's a big dude. Like he's not 
just fat. He's a, just a big dude. Yeah. He's a big fucking rock star. Funking rock star. This song has a lyric, 10 million babies your dad gave you. Does that mean that Tad's dad jizzed on him? I, I, 10 I million, 10 I million babies. Dad know. gave me 10 million babies. He jizzed on them. That's, that's a bad. That's bad. That's Tad's a, dad. <laughs> that's some bad dads out there, Tad. <laughs> uh, that was rad. <laughs> so this song was also in the very 90s movie Brain Scan, starring the very 90s Edward Furlong, uh, a movie about extreme video games, body pierced maniacs in Primus. Uh, so, you, so you know they were in the sick, sick bass bands. And they should have gotten Tad to do a cameo. That dude could sell Mike Pence on sucking all the dicks. I think Mike Pence's masturbation sessions have already sold him on dick sucking. Yeah, interesting point. Hey, uh, fun fact. Oh, shit. Oh. Uh, record number of donations to Planned Parenthood since Trump became president. Almost 15% of them have been in the name of Mike Pence. Which means Mike Pence is getting thank you cards from <laughs> thousands of people. Donated to Planned Parenthood. I, uh, I which means I Mike urge, Pence is laying pipe out there. I'm yeah. a big, I'm a big fan. I'm a big it. fan of Pence and Trump, so I don't agree with that. Is there anything else to say about this song? Uh, no, it's just great. No, Dave just pulled a Hollywood Steve and kept talking after it was yeah, over. I got, I got more if we have time. You just Do want you to his, keep talking about? You this want song? to get his political? I, I'd like views. to talk. How many, yeah, how many more times are we going to fit Tad into the countdown? Yeah, okay. Tad was a magnet for lawsuits. Pepsi sued them for their Jack Ooh, Pepsi song. I think they got dropped from their label when they had a poster of Bill Clinton smoking a joint advertising an ailer. I, I think the line was, that's some heavy shit. Sub Pop got sued for the album cover of Eight Way Santa. It was banned. Eight Way Santa. Uh, they caused serious financial problems for Sub Pop. Uh, my buddy Dave and I were floating the idea that Sub that Tad may have led to the almost bankruptcy of Sub Pop, and if it had not been for Nirvana, Sub Pop would have gone under well, I know part of that's right, because Nirvana, Nevermind, was the thing that, that lifted Yeah, up. well, it was on Geffen, but they made a deal like one or two dollars yeah. would go to Sub Pop yeah. for every album sold, and that's why Sub Pop is still here. And Steve found a fun oh, fact. I have a fun fact. This album was produced by Jay Maskus of Giant Dinosaur Jr. Oh, yeah. And here's a fun fact. His also of Jay Maskus and the Fog. Here's a fun fact, too. His J stands for Joseph, just like my J. Yeah. Do we have any other fun facts about Dinosaur Jr.? You remember when we no, were... not that I want to share. Remember when we were on Julian Loves Music? Mm -hmm. he, he told me he, he didn't know a lot of grunge bands, because he does grunge mouth. Uh-huh. And, uh... Uh, part of this, I just wanted to say at this point, part of this reason I wanted to put this together is so we heard a few more grunge bands. Yeah. Oh, so this is for you, Julian Loves Music. Oh, just, so you, you've helped Julian hear Grunt Truck. Yeah. You've helped yeah. me hear Grunt Truck for the first time since high school, and I thank you for uh, that. You're welcome. Julian and, McCullough. Uh, for our listeners, check out Julian Loves Music. It's a great podcast. Julian McCullough, great comedian. Yeah. Talks funny jokes. Funny dude, very he handsome. does talk him. Really, very handsome. You're a little too good looking to be funny, but I yeah. laugh at him. No, easy <laughs> on the eyes. Oh, I miss Tony. All right. So, you know, we heard some Grunt Truck a little earlier. Here we are with some Proto Grunt Truck. Uh, I spoke about these guys before. This is Skin Yard, and this is off their debut LP from 1987. This is Gelatin Babies coming in at number four. This wasn't included on their original release, uh, only after reissues in the early 90s, probably because it was too grunky for the time. Hey, all you Rashidas out there, this is Lloyd Jones of the Seattle Kid Grunge Trio. Hey, this is uh, Skin Yard with Gelatin Babies, Rashida Baby. It's awesome. 
Oh god, uh, these these guys were on what would be the beginnings of the grunge movement. Um, the Deep Six compilation from CZ Records that featured Green River, the Mel- the Melvins, Malfunction, Soundgarden, the U-Men, and of course Skinyard. Uh, bassist Daniel House, who puts down a very funky line on this song, ended up uh, becoming the owner of CZ Records. Uh, I spoke about. Well, I didn't get to Matt Cameron um, and Ben McMillan, but anyways, the la- the last member of the song uh, being Jack and Dino, who was dubbed the Godfather of Grunge in the documentary Hype, which I can't recommend more if you have any interest in grunge. Um, it's a fucking awesome documentary. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> he was dubbed this for producing tons of early albums, including Nirvana's Bleach. You know a lot about grunge, Hunter. All I know about is Journey and Yacht Rock. I'm proud of you. I saw hype, but I don't remember any of it. It seems like isn't, you have a good memory. I, no, I just I watched it. Well, I watched it a few years ago. Isn't isn't it. hype the one where they they show like this family tree of grunge, and you, you know the one I'm talking about? I, it's I can't I can't remember if they show the family tree, but they definitely talk about the incestuous. Well, it's, it's I think they do. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that yeah. It's it's incredible. It shows you how much of a scene it really was. Everybody playing with everyone else and inspiring everyone else. It's kind of like the incestuous music scene of the late '70s and early 80s right here in Southern California. You mean the Yacht Rock scene? That's the one. Oh, I know everything it. about Yacht Rock. What do you have? Who's got questions? Anyway, continue, Hunter. Uh, uh, continue, Steve. <laughs> what? Um, oh. No. Yeah, you blew I, it, Hunter. I, no, I, I was... I'll I was, be Steve. I'll be Steve. I, I was doing a joke. When this song first starts, you think it's going to be a sweet metal jam. Yeah, I'm you Hollywood Steve. Uh, yeah, that was a good one. I, I wrote that note on the on the paper. Uh, okay, so what I, what I was going to say is this song has a bit of a Mad Chester Happy Mondays vibe to right, it. You think it. it's going to be a sweet metal jam, but then it turns yeah. into that. Yeah, and I, at least I think. Um, and they use the funk amongst other danceable genres to create a groovy sound. Um, I hear the same in this. It's got a great bass line, uh, at least two minutes in, and it descends, descends into a stone-cold jam. This is very early grunk here. This is very early grunk here. Uh, I also hear some little echo in the bunny men in there, like the dark psychedelic stuff. I hear a little guided by voices in the vocal performance. Anybody else? Anybody yeah. else hear a little guided by voices? A little, a little Robert Paul? Yeah, I can hear that. A little bit. Oh, and this is a great part of the song. Yeah, this is the because he's like jam. let's yeah, this start is the metal again. jam part. But he, but he was like he's like let's start again, and then it sounds like the song ends. And then and there's there's, there's like that the drum you're talking about. It's not the four on the floor. So this song has lyrics like, um, "Did you see lots of colors glowing? How was your trip? How was your trip, guys? I think I would place a big bet on the fact that this song is about a friend who just dropped." By after a vacation to a rainbow. Yeah. Most, uh-huh. most likely. Most likely. Anything else on this one? Uh, it's very psychedelic drink. I've done three, baby. Oh, here we go. Here we are with the uh, arguably the grunkiest band of all time, Mother Love Bone, with the beginnings of the very '90s insult, Monkey Boy. Remember, remember, remember the, the insult, Monkey Boy. Anybody yeah, mm-hmm. uh, our friends in the Yacht Rock Review uh, called what was it a bass player, Mark? 
Oh yeah, you called, called him, him a monkey, monkey boy. boy? Uh, a blast from the past. Yeah. Uh, this is a so this is half-ass monkey boy. Much better insult. Oh, uh, from nineteen. He's, 19- he's not, not even a full monkey yeah. boy. Not big butts yeah. either. Uh, this is from nineteen. 19- only got half a one. 1989's EP Shine. Uh, it doesn't take much to hear the funk in this. Uh, Jeff Ahmed's bass, Stone Gossard's percu- percussive guitar, and the phrase "Stone Cold Mama," which we just heard. You're gonna you're gonna get grunky with with a phrase like "Stone Cold Mama." Mm-hmm. You're super I mean? super grunky. Half-ass monkey boy, Stone Cold Mama. I'm grunging. I'm funking. Yeah. Half-ass grunky boy. Uh, it's a good one, Steve. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Improv. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait, let me describe Steve right now. Steve is really tired, and he's playing incessantly with this uh, paper clip. It's, it's black and yellow like uh, a bumblebee. And just every now and then, his head comes up, and he graces us with his improv skills, mm-hmm. and then goes right back to playing with the thing. That's the scene right now. I mean, there's some big blocks of oh, text oh, here. Oh, we'll be right back in one minute, folks. Here we go. And one minute. And we're we back go. in Seattle. Okay, okay, so Greg Gilmore is on drums here. He's your, he's your uh, funk drummer on this day. Yeah. Uh, he was in an earlier band, 10 Minutes warning with Duff McKagan and even moved to LA and almost became the drummer for Guns N' Roses. Nobody knows why he didn't become the drummer. Uh, Bruce Fairweather is the lead guitarist. He had stints in Green River and Malfunctioning, which leads us to Andrew Wood again. We're going to go down on this. Go dark, I guess. We're gonna Down what? into the to the levels of unhappiness. Oh, I'm gonna um, go back to sleep. Funk enthusiast Andrew Wood was supposed to be grunge's biggest star. He, uh, his charisma was off the charts. He had the look more akin to glam, but with the uh, the Seattle cred. He could write, and he was comfortable in the spotlight. He also had a terrible drug addiction, specifically heroin. A, ni- a grunge musician? In 1989, Wood checked himself into rehab to get clean in preparation for Mother Love Bone's first release, Apple, an album that some would consider the first great hard rock album of the 90s, and it was pure grunk. I, uh, the first great hard rock album of the 90s, I, 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 I really tried to get into these guys. I couldn't quite do it. I liked a few of their songs, but no. the funky stuff to me is only a couple notches better than Bang Tango, for example. <laughs> oh, I love a good Bang Tango reference. Well, they have this great song called This Is Shangri-La. It's one of the great grunge Yeah, that's a good one. Like, I like that. A, it's about how being on stage and playing rock and roll is awesome. Yeah. And I also like that song, Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns, from the single soundtrack. That's what introduced me to this band. I love them. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a great song. It's, I love that it's, one. It, it takes a few listens, but it's really good after a few times. So, anyway, so on March 16th, 1990, uh, Landrew, that's what his fans called him, uh, would be discovered unconscious by his girlfriend in the apartment they shared with Chris Cornell. Uh, he was, was he sleeping? Wait, what? Well, he was unconscious in his apartment. He was sleeping, right? Uh, no. no, he was taken no, to the JD, hospital. No, JD, this, this story doesn't end well. Uh, he was taken to a hospital, and after a brain aneurysm, was taken off life support. It was a drug overdose. Oh. Uh, his death was... Well, but he was kind of sleeping. It was just a really bad sleep. It was a real deep sleep. Yeah. Uh, his death would spawn countless tributes and songs and what-ifs. Uh, Pearl Jam was created out of the void with... Well, I'm going to take you through some what-ifs here. Pearl Jam was created out of the void with Eddie Vedder taking the spotlight. Perhaps we would never have heard his voice, his yarl, and an extent the creeds of the world. Um, God damn it, someone's burping my face. Uh, maybe Soundgarden doesn't take a more focused and serious turn because they definitely did after uh, Chris Cornell's roommate died. Uh, Alice and James wouldn't uh, write Wood, argu- arguably the best song to come out of Seattle and one that would propel them and the scene with singles in the mainstream. How did they fare? 
And finally, oh, we'll talk about it later, Dave. Uh, and finally, perhaps the public o- obsession over Andrew Wood would have relieved some of the immeasurable pressures off of Kurt Cobain, and maybe he too would be with us today. These are things we'll never know. I'll tell you exactly what will happen if Andrew Wood lived. I know this. He would have been the first male co-host of The View. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. It was a it was a quite the loss, but Mother Love Bone is a great it's a great album. Yeah, check them out if you've never heard them because they're a grunge treat. Number two. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> right off the top, you hear the funk. In fact, it takes a little bit for. Find out if this is actually grunk or not, because we don't know if there's a if this is a grunge band. Is this yeah, a grunge is band? This Parliament Wait, hold on. Adele? What is this? Wait, that's not it. Oh, it's not it's still coming up. We can still. Oh, maybe this. Oh, is man, well, who is this? Intro. Is this James Brown? Oh, here it is. There it is. There it, uh, is. <laughs> there it is. There's the. There's the. There's that. That means it's grunk. Uh, this is Allison Chains with I Know Something About You from 1990's Facelift. Yeah, this is uh, from the second or bad side of this album. Uh, bad was, isn't good? No. Oh. Like, <laughs> this is bad. The one, the, the, the side that I didn't really need on my iPod. Uh, I used to listen to this tape on my Walkman while I was mowing the lawn all the time, which probably goes a long way to explaining why I have mild tinnitus. And that probably goes a long way to explaining the yelling. Am I right, Dave? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of No, yelling. I just get enthusiastic, and I, I, want, I, saw, I want the people at home I to saw a recent to iTunes conveying emotion. Oh, I saw a recent iTunes review. <laughs> By not Dave Lyons? <laughs> yeah. That somebody was complaining about all the yelling he did. A lot, of, a lot of us get enthusiastic, but a man suffering from mild tinnitus might take that enthusiasm a little too loud for David Lyons ears. Oh, guys. Yeah. Also, that's why Steve never mows the lawn anymore. Also, I live in an apartment. Also, I have a lawn. Also, uh, I have, we all have our theories. Good banter, guys. Also, also I had no Thank idea uh, Steve was such a gr- uh, grunge snob. This is the first time. Is he hates all this half of this stuff? Tad is the, Tad is the only one I like so far. Well, I mean, it's it's I my feel for this genre is that you know in funk you didn't have to write a great song in the traditional sense if you had a great groove. But this sounds like people didn't write great songs, but were not quite funky enough to pull that off. Yeah, yeah this stuff—it's a component. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 very much a component. And I'm putting together the the ones with the most characteristics, thus the grunt. It's yeah, it's a definite genre. You, you, oh, absolutely. You, you've defined it extremely well. Um, so Allison Chains uh, was drummer Sean Kinney, bassist Mike Starr, guitarist Jerry Cantrell, and lead singer Lane Staley. So here's a grunt story everybody mm-hmm. uh, Lane was in a hair metal band called Sleaze yeah which would eventually become Alice N Chains with the N being shortened uh, shortened form of and like guns and roses it, it was Alice and Chains mm-hmm. um, they would break up uh, Lane would would join a funk band hear that a funk band wow he's got the yarl for it too and and, and and he would get his roommate, Jerry Cantrell, to join him. Jerry agreed under one condition that Lane would join him and Kenny and Starr in a more straightforward rock band. Lane would agree, the funk band would break up, and the new band would be Alice in Chains, which is far more grunge, but with funk chops, thus bringing us to the grunk. Heroin chops! 
wilder. This guy could sing. This guy, had the, song. this guy had the best voice in grunge. It was powerful and unique and sassy. And sass is, sass is sassy. a very important element in grunge. If we're going to talk the best voice in grunge, I, I think Chris Cornell and Andy Wood was pretty great. Those guys have great voices straightforward, but Lane Staley has the best grunge voice because it's so sassy. I don't know, man. You listen to like, uh, Hunger Strike. <laughs> I'm going hungry. Listen. You listen to how Chris Cornell blows away Eddie Vedder. It's not sassy. It's not sassy. Listen, don't argue with him because he, he's right. It's <laughs> I've not made up, sassy. I've made up an arbitrary grunge rule, and I'm going to stick with that till the end. The best grunge has a hint of sass. Yeah, so you have to be sassy to be grunge. No, you have to be sassy to be the best grunge singer, which is what Lane Staley is. You're really turning me around on this, Jamie. Uh, splash of sass. Splash of sass. more fun. Uh, <laughs> Also, uh, so Lane Staley, uh, as many of us probably know, would go, you know, would would to die of drugs on April fifth, two thousand two, eight years to the day that Kurt Cobain died. It's fine. I'll keep speaking. And on the day Star uh, would have an argument with him. Um, <clears throat> with uh, Lane about his condition, out of concern, uh, Lane's death haunted him um, because he because he was like, get off the drugs, and yeah, he died yeah. that day. And uh, and it haunted him and Star himself would uh, succumb to addiction nine years later which is a fucking bummer you see what I'm telling you it's all about the sass yeah it's all about the sass and the yeah. big butts so now that we're in a grunge mood it's sad it's number one sad 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 see okay here we go this is gonna pick us up there it is no more sadness I'm so happy to finally bring part of the joy that is the Judgment Night soundtrack to the podcast. Yeah, yes. we've been talking about it for long enough. And what would a grunge pl- grunk, excuse me, what would the grunk playlist be without some Mix-a-Lot? This is Mud Honey and Sir Mix-a-Lot with Freak Mama from 1993. Oh, and just to make sure that there's no sadness in this song, I actually googled Sir Mix-a-Lot and Tragedy, and my results were all for Sir Mix-a-Lot with Tragedy omitted. So he's a happy guy, happy life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for any listeners who are not familiar with the concept of the Judgment Night soundtrack, uh, every song on it was a team up between a loud guitar rock band and a rapper of some or a rap group of some sort. Uh, it's much more memorable than the movie itself, which uh, I think was about guys getting chased by criminals and Dennis Leary was in it. Yeah, Emilio yeah. Estevez and Cuba Gooding Jr. Confused, I always confuse it with Judge Dredd, which is a Stallone movie. Not a I think, movie. I think the poster says suburban guys take a wrong turn and end up on Crime Avenue. Well, they, yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, they they if, from think, what I remember, that. they they rent a, they rent an RV to go have a good guys night, and they get they take the wrong uh, un, uh, 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 wrong exit exit and end up on Crime Street. Yeah. and Dennis Leary is the king of that crime. Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not really sure. I think I remember something about my youth, but I think what the poster said. <laughs> was what you just said. Okay. So, so Mud Honey. Let's talk about Mud Honey. Oh, I'd love to talk about uh, Mud, Honey. Mud Honey. is another band to come from the legendary Green River, this time in the form of Mark Arm and Steve Turner. They, they brought in Matt Lucan from the Melvins and one of Nirvana's many pre-grolled drummers in Dan Peters. Uh, Freak Mama comes... Nearly five years after the release of the most grunge song ever, Touch Me, I'm Sick, and they honestly aren't grunky at all, but add Sir Mix-a-Lot to the mix. Sir, uh, excuse me, Sir A-Lot to the mix. 
and all of a sudden that rhythm section gets funky. He's been knighted. I like. Um, I just I want to say about Mudhoney, they are my favorite band of the Seattle grunge scene. Uh, they are fantastic. Their second album, Every Good Boy Deserves Fudge, I think is the best grunge album that is out there. Lead singer Mark Arm fucking delivers. Not to be confused with Mark Yarm, who runs Sub Pop. Um, I like in this song how Sir Mixlot tries to make sense of uh, this typical nonsensical grunge name when he goes, I want to put you in the mud, honey. Mud, honey. Yeah. He winds, and he also winds up dropping the phrase, Baby's Got Back, which, uh, if you aren't familiar, is the phrase that made him famous. It means that his girlfriend has a big mm. butt. Oh, yeah. His girlfriend. Uh, so Sir Mixlot is very Seattle. Uh, his first hit, 1987's Posse on Broadway, is not about New York, but yes, Seattle's Capitol Hill District. He's also very funky, having multitudes of songs like the, like our opening song with funk sampling and backing. He even provided narration and commentary on Steve. You should check this out. Oh, I should. 2009's Weedle's Groove, a documentary on Seattle's funk and soul scene during the 1960s and 70s. Hmm. And so the guy knows his stuff. That's a lot where I got some my information about Seattle's uh, uh, punk and soul scene. Anyways, um, uh, so here he is, obviously, lending that knowledge to Mudhoney to prove Seattle's, uh, provide Seattle's most unique grunge, grunk offering. Um, even though Mix, and further, even though Mix says he lost his credibility with this team up, it's actually not his first. On his album Swass, he did uh, Iron Man, a reworking of the Black Sabbath song, uh, with new lyrics, of course, with the Bay Area thrash band Metal Church. Yeah, I think I think Metal Church had roots in Seattle as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but can we talk a little bit about Swass? It is Swass. Did somebody say Swass? It's a fantastic Swass. debut album. Uh. The album starts with Buttermilk Biscuits. Basically, his thesis song is him rapping about a biscuit <laughs> recipe. <laughs> the parenthetical title is Keep On Square Dancing. He has another song. Oh man, and they and they do in that album. Yeah, he has another song about square dancing later on this record. <laughs> it's called Square Dance Rap, and the title track Swass. Swass. Which includes the chorus. Don't you wish you boyfriend was swass like me which i find fascinating because i always thought that swass was a uh, a term for a sweaty ass what's more fascinating is that's the original version of that pussycat dolls chorus there you go uh, oh, and his, awesome. his follow-up album to uh, uh, Chief Bootknocker, his big hit, included uh, a baby's... Wait, oh, okay. A baby included, who had back? His, his album after Chief Bootknocker had a song on it called Putting, Put Him on the Glass, Trying to Make Big Boobs Happen, because uh -huh. babies got back and make big butts happen. But as Jesus tells us in the Bible, you only get to, you only get one hit out of a, a woman's large body part. Also, yeah. you didn't need to make boobs big boobs happen. Big boobs had already happened. You just needed to make big butts happen. I guess you needed to make flattened big boobs on glass happen. That's what he... That yeah, <laughs> you, you needed that. <laughs> oh, he was just he was just going for like strip club. I, lo I love Sir Mixlot because he's got class and sass, yeah. swass and sass. He's got class, swass and sass. He's, he's the whole enchilada. Yeah, I really think the two big takeaways from uh, this episode are big butts and uh, sass. Mm -hmm. That's and, that's and, that's it. And the funk yarl. Uh, anything else, Hunter? I love this song. I love this album. Yeah. I can't wait to work it into more uh, genres. We've been talking about it since the get-go. I still have 
I still have my my Judgment Night CD. Oh yeah, so do I. In my car, it hasn't left any car that I've had since <laughs> I was when this came out in '93. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I could learn to drive, it was in every single car. What didn't make the list, Dave? Do you have any idea? Steve, do you have an idea? Uh, yeah, I wanted to plug a sort of a... It's kind of a Seattle band. They're called Mind Funk. Of course they are. And they did. Uh, they had ex-Nirvana guitarist Jason Everman in them for a while. Uh, they have they have some songs that kind of fit this genre. Uh, Hogwallow is one of them. Go of check course. that out. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't really research it, but one of my favorite bands from the era, uh, Seaweed, most likely has something. So go listen to their catalog and let me know. <laughs> I don't know if this exists but i would have liked to well hold on we'll be right back folks oh this came out again every time at the end of the show um so there we are i don't know if this exists but i would have liked to heard a funk band that added a little grunge and uh because most of these were grunge bands that add a little funk so i just think it would have been refreshing to go the opposite way on at least one track well the thing well here's the thing there weren't well it would have been mix a lot I mean, I know he wasn't in a funk band, but if you listen to his stuff, his stuff is very funky and with, with the funk band backing. He's the funk guy, and they're adding... Not only did he add the funk into the grunge, but Mudhoney added the grunge into the funk. So sassy. Steve, ne- are we doing Heavy Metal Christmas next? That is correct. Right. Our next episode will be me doing Heavy Metal Christmas, the top ten. You know you can't wait for that. Child. <laughs> oh, okay for you. <laughs> Find this week's The Grunk playlist by following JD Risner on Spotify. Go to yachtrock.com to buy t shirts, read the captain's blog, and see show notes by Tim Malcolm. Follow him on Twitter at Timothy Malcolm for fun facts. Send questions via Twitter at yachtrock. Follow JD at JD Risner. Follow Hollywood Steve at Hollywood Steve H. Follow Dave at David underscore B underscore Lions. Follow Hunter at Hunter Stare. Like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Rate and review us on iTunes. Your reviews help us big time we're gonna be the number one music podcast by the end of 2017 rashida rashida you just wait and see you just wait and see more you make us number one i'm gonna do an entire episode as quincy jones oh. please no, make us no, number we, one no, so rate, rate, rate us and review one. us yeah maybe that's not the yeah the, no one's no, gonna make us that. number one no <laughs> thanks to tony's eric for sending in the bumpers we're out of bumpers send them in folks if you want to hear your bumpers on beyond yacht rock podcast additional bumpers by rob crow and mark rivers thanks to producer dustin marshall for putting the fun into funk he didn't really help us with this episode he's gonna master it and make it sound beautiful yeah, he's, gonna he's gonna help, help us, us after out. the fact i'm gonna just thank him every time anyway because i like oh, him of course he's good yeah he's amazing check out other fair audio podcasts at fair audio.com Thank you.